Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1996's Fargo, directed by the Coen brothers, starring William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, and Francis McDormand. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, well, because of our, our, our duties, you know, that are coming up for an upcoming show, um, mm-hmm. we have to take some time off once in a while and just, you know, decompress. So I watched Jim Cotta. Jim Kata. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. It's a, it's man. What a stupid film. I've never seen it. I, I would say you're not missing anything, but <laughs> but you're kind of missing something. I want to see it just to see how ridiculous this like, the white guy karate stuff is. Yes. Like they do here, <laughs> and it's it's probably the the finest use of a pummel horse in a movie of all. You know, I mean, like yeah, because you yeah. have to have it because of the guy who's who's doing the Jim Kata. Um, it's ridiculous, and I, I think you should see it, but I'm not going to ask the audience to see is, it. Is there a fight scene while he's on a pummel horse? Yes, there is. Oh, I have to see this now. Yeah, it's 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 a must-watch. My weekend has filled. <laughs> we are recording right. on a rare Friday night, folks, so yep. the weekend's coming up. Yep. Um, I watched, after probably watching one of these Oscar movies, mm-hmm. I was on the couch, and I was tired, and I threw on Citizen Kane, because oh, why not, you man, know? Yeah, nice. Um. I fell asleep during it, but uh-huh. I've seen it a dozen times, so yeah. that's okay. Um, everyone go watch that instead of Jim Cotta. <laughs> I'm, I'm but, deeply uh, ashamed, everybody. It's <laughs> got unwound with Citizen Kane. It's and, all ro- I watched Friday the 13th last week, you did. so that's true. Fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's, there's our two movies there, dude. Wow, what a pack. <laughs> it's a great double feature, I know. The, yeah, back to back. <laughs> um, so now let's talk about Fargo, Dave. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Okay. Um, so it takes place in the, it doesn't take place, it takes place in Minnesota, in mostly in Minneapolis and Brainerd. Um, there is a, uh, a guy named Jer- Jerry Lundegaard who is trying to uh, make a bunch of money and he's like sort of bullied by his father-in-law and he hires these two guys to kidnap his wife. And um, there's going to be this whole scam with a, a ransom and, um, and you know, ex- trying to extort his father-in-law. And Marge Gunderson is the sheriff of Brainerd, and she has to go and, um, you know, figure out what's going on because part of the crimes happen in her town. It's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we've both seen it a million times, mm-hmm. and um, this is one of the essentials, everybody, so, so, so strap in. As far as the Cone brothers go, it's probably my favorite of theirs. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I've said it before, I'm not the biggest fan of theirs. I, I do yeah. enjoy almost all their movies I've seen, but mm-hmm. I don't love them like some people do. Okay. You know? But I would say this might be my favorite, or Raising Arizona is always at the top. Every time I think I have my top three or top five, uh-huh. someone brings up Raising Arizona oh. or Blood Simple mm-hmm. or you know uh, one of their, like Barton Fink, whatever, and it's like, oh, crap. You know, so you're, you're, <laughs> right, you're yeah, constantly okay. moving things in and out of the top five because these guys... Just have this filmography that is, you know, like it's it's it goes back thirty something years, and they yeah, really like never missed. I think is when Blood Simple came out. I mean, when Fargo was released, they already been making great movies for twelve years mm-hmm. with yeah. Francis McDormand. The, the, their output has been legendary, and I'm I'm glad that they're now in that kind of pantheon of great filmmakers. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Yep. Did you see Hail Caesar, the new one? Yes, I did. Okay, what did you think of that one? I loved it. We're getting off track, but whatever. Yeah. I, I loved Hail Caesar. <laughs> it, it, was, it was excellent. Okay. And it was And it was released in February, you know, right, like during Oscar time. Yeah. Like right after, you know, the Oscar cutoff, because I guess they didn't have any faith in it. I can't believe it, because, I mean, it's not like as good as the rest of the stuff, but it's still the Cone Brothers, I think and it's it, still really funny. It pulled the Silence of the Lambs, dude. 
Yes. It yes. got nominated for an Oscar. I think Best Costume Design or something. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> so it's full of the silence of the lambs. Full of the silence. Whatever. Yep. Um, anyway, let's talk about Fargo. Yeah. The movie, as Dave described, it sounds kind of, it doesn't sound generic, but it sounds like, okay, it's kind of your basic plot, you yeah. know, to get some money and uh, violence ensues. Mm-hmm. But it's done in the Cohen fashion. Yeah. To where you don't know what's going to happen. That's right. And you really don't know everyone's motivations. Like, they're very good at leaving things open to your imagination and not explaining every single detail. Right. Um, like, the movie opens with Jerry meeting uh, Carl and uh, Peter Stormare's kid. Grimm's room. <clears throat> yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he meets them and he's explaining, yeah, you need to kidnap my wife and then we'll drop off the money for you. And then we'll each take 40000 Yeah. And that that's the plan. Yep. And Steve Buscemi asks, like, why do you need this money? And he's like, no, that's personal stuff. No, I'm not going to tell you. Um, and you never really learn out learn why he needs it specifically. Right. Um, and I think that's a great call for the Coens to leave their screenplay like that. Because we, all we know is he's just kind of a slimy dude. Well, I, okay, I, 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 will, I will say one thing about why he needs the money. Is it the the cars with the serial yeah. numbers? I I I this is like probably my I don't know thirtieth time watching. Okay. It. So and I just picked up on as far as like I think that the whole thing with defrauding GMAC, mm-hmm. I think that's the reason he's like you know doing this scam. And then okay, like the difference. I mean, I think he owes GMAC about three hundred grand. And then the rest of that money, he's just going to keep for himself and make a better life for him and his, gotcha. you know, and his family. Okay. See, I always thought it could be that's part of it. Yeah. But I didn't think that's the only reason. Okay. I think it's just because he's kind of money hungry. He is that. Um, and I don't know why he feels money hungry, but the way he interacts with his father-in-law is he's not good enough, you mm-hmm. know, for uh, his wife or his son. That's right. Yeah, because, you know, they'll always be taken care of, is what the <laughs> father-in-law says. This Straight guy, to his face. This guy <laughs> is such a bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, Wade, Wade Gustafson is the father-in-law, played by the great Harvey Presnell. Mm-hmm. He makes Jerry feel like, you know, a non-entity all the time. And right in front of not only, like, you said to his face, but it's also in front of his own in front of his daughter, who is Jerry's wife, mm-hmm. um, and his son, and his son, mm-hmm. um, he 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 is like unapologetically hostile to his son-in-law, who is like welcoming him into his home, mm-hmm. um, being very courteous, and doing at least before the action of the movie starts a good job, you know, like like raising his son and r- yeah. raising the man's grandson and being good to his wife. Why he decides to be this way, I'll, I'll never know. Yeah, I don't know. It comes off as he's been a good husband and yeah. father. Uh, Jerry has. Up to this point, um, right. So why does the father-in-law hate him? Sometimes father-in-laws just hate you know, their son-in-laws. Yeah. Because, hey, you're taking my daughter from me. Right. He's a used car salesman or whatever. Yep. Maybe that's not good enough because... Uh, Wade happens to be a, a multi-millionaire doing something, banking or well, something. But he I don't owns know. the car lot that Jerry yeah, works at. Yeah, he actually at. owns I mean, the car lot. I, I don't think, I mean, like, so if for him to, like, you know, uh, I guess be kind of up in Jerry's face about being a car salesman, I mean, I I, I don't know where this animosity okay, comes yeah, well, from maybe other that's than just it. being yeah. a dick. I mean, like, there are some bad old men out there. Mm-hmm. The bad old men who like other bad old men, and, and they, they all congregate. This is the man, everybody. This is what the man looks like. Yep. It looks like Wade Gustafson. Well, maybe um, Jerry's trying to get this parking lot deal going through, yes. and he's trying to borrow money from Wade to get it going. Yeah. And Wade's kind of just like, no, it's shit. I don't want to do it. Talk to whoever. Who's the guy you have to talk to? Stan Grossbaum. Yes, yeah. yeah. So he's like, talk to him. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to talk to him because he's going to tell me no. That's what you pay him for. Yeah. 
And so he's talking to the father-in-law directly, and he's just basically like, no, I'm not doing it uh-huh. because you suck, basically, <laughs> basically. And then later when he talks to Stan, and then I guess Stan talks to Wade, says, you know, this is actually a good deal. Mm-hmm. There's another meeting with Jerry and the three of them, and they try to take the deal from Jerry by giving him a finder's fee. <sighs> So he's not going to see any of the profits from the deal or anything. It's outrageous. Um, he's basically just stealing this from him. He is. Yeah. And, and he, he's able to do it because he can strong arm Jerry into anything. Yeah. And has Jerry maybe brought deals like this to him before? Oh, or, absolutely. Or terrible ideas that yeah. just wound up in losses? Uh, well, as far as wound up, you know, okay, th- that part I don't know. I, okay. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if like Wade has ever made an investment in him. Maybe they've all just stopped at Stan's door and, and like it never went any higher. And I guess in this case, because they went over the financials and decided it was a good deal, now we're going to squeeze Jerry out of it. <laughs> and and they have sort of a point about, like, you know, like when Stan goes, well, Jerry, we're not just going to give you $750,000. Yeah. Um, like, th- that, that's where Jerry's faults come in. Not only does he not stand up to his father-in-law, but he also, you know, didn't think that through. Yeah. You know, he you don't walk into the guy's office and kind of say, I want you to give me this seed money, and when it pays off, I'm going to keep the profits. Yeah. And give you your, you know, your money back. Right. You get your um, initial investment back. Yes. And maybe some money. But right. Yeah, maybe like, he says one over prime, he says. Yeah. Which, so, okay, that's something. <laughs> so I'm getting bank interest, big deal, you know? Yeah. Um, he's kind of, Jerry's a schmuck, too. He's a huge schmuck. Yeah. That's his greatest flaw. Yes. Is he's is. a schmuck, man. Right. Yeah, he's greedy. He seems selfish, even. Yeah. Because he's putting his own family in danger just to oh, get this man. money. Right. And even when things go downhill and he's in over his head, he doesn't even seem to worry about it except for, you know, covering his own ass. That's right. He, he's the, not the, a good guy. Oh, not yeah. at all. I mean, like the way he talks. Remember how when, when like his son, when Scotty is uh, is sitting in the room mm-hmm. and he's like really worried and he's like, what are they doing to mom? And yep. He knows what they're doing to mom. I mean, he orchestrated the whole thing, and mm-hmm. he's just like lying to his son and promising him like it's gonna, it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. It'll be fine. Yeah. We're, we're dealing with these guys. Yeah, ma- we just ma- gotta play grandpa. ball. Yeah, we, we gotta, gotta play, play ball, ball with these guys. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. And your kid's there in tears, wondering if he's ever gonna see his mom again. It's and, unimaginable. And you're behind yeah. all this. <laughs> right. And okay, maybe you think it's gonna go fine because yeah. you got it all worked out no but you're a schmuck yes and it's gonna get messed up and you're not an outlaw dude i mean like like right. you, you you maybe you can come up with this great scam and 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 if everything goes right it might go fine but but you've never you're, you're not a you don't have a criminal mind you right. can't do these things you can't pull this thing off yeah how long has he been doing things like taking money from you know gmac or whatever yeah, like yeah. um is this his first time doing that kind of thing because i get the feeling he's been doing this stuff for a little while i do too and it's piling up. Yes, and now he's chasing it. And mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, like like he got behind with with like trying to cover for himself. Mm-hmm. And now you know Riley Diefenbach is calling him up, you know, every five minutes, <laughs> right. you know, at demanding, you know, saying my patience is at an end, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, screw Jerry, man. <laughs> he gets what he deserves in the end. He sure as hell does. And I guess we can talk about Marge Gunderson. Yeah, exactly. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, she is. Uh, she comes into the movie about 45 minutes in, and we've been dealing with Jerry Lundegaard throughout the whole movie until, and, and that's William H. Macy, by the way. We mm-hmm. forgot to mention William H. Macy plays Jerry Lundegaard. Yeah, and it's an amazing performance. And he's awesome in it. He yeah. was nominated for a supporting role yes, he was. for the Academy Awards for mm-hmm. this. And Marge is played by the great Francis McDormand. Mm-hmm. Um, 
who won the Best Actress Oscar for this role. She did. And she's in half the movie. She is. I know. Um, and she's also married to Joel Cohen. Is she? Yes. Is that why she's in all the movies? Yes. They, they are, they're, they're longtime collaborators. Okay, cool. Yeah. And she is playing Marge Gunderson, who is the sheriff of Brainerd. And uh, she's one of the best cops in movie history. Yeah. You know, as far as just being a competent and really skilled police officer. Exactly. Um, and mm-hmm. it's masked, this skill is like masked for the audience and everyone around her by her um, very sweet nature. Yeah. Um, that upper upper Midwestern Minnesota nice that, mm-hmm. that she's very, I mean, people from that region are very proud of that and they, they take it seriously and she's one of them. She's probably like eighth generation Minnesota. Yeah. And, uh, you know. She's going to be a hard a hard case cop, yeah. but she's also going to be pretty cool to you. And the, the Coens, I think, do a great job of making... Let, it's humorous, the, the accents and yes. the dialect and that kind of stuff. It's it, I find it humorous, but it doesn't come off like they're trying to make it mean-spirited or they're anything like fun. that. They're not making fun of people with the Minnesota accent. Not at all. I think it's just how serious the situation is mm-hmm. with this kind of like, oh, yeah, laid back kind of <laughs> yeah. way of talking about things. Yeah. It makes great comedy. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And and, and th- they're actually from Minneapolis. They were, they were born and bred. Yeah. And I remember hearing Ethan Cohen talking about like just that, that what you just said. He, I, think, I think he said something about like polite cultures um, are usually the most repressed and the most repressed are usually the most violent. Okay. So that's why, you know, like tragedies can happen. I mean, uh, you know, like as in in the backdrop of of the face of this veneer of niceness, there's probably something going on. People are like, people who are like this are hiding something sometimes, you know. Right. So like her, her competency as a law officer is masked by this. That's right. Glazed over. Uh, with this this level of sweetness, yep. <laughs> you know, if she moved to Detroit, she'd be just as good a cop. Yeah, you know, dude, totally. I want to see her and Axel Foley team up. <laughs> yes, that'd be amazing. Would, or, or like Marge... Fargo Hills cop. Yes, I was thinking like like Marge Gunderson like in Seven. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. You know, I mean, it would be. Oh yeah, you betcha. Uh, oh man, she would. Uh, yeah, she would totally catch John. But Doe. no, she's totally on it yep. the whole time on this case. Like, there's the scene when. Her deputy or whoever is talking about the plates on the car. And she, Lou? Yeah. She's like, no, that's, I don't agree with your police work there, Lou. <laughs> um, they're DLR dealer plates, you yeah. know? Uh-huh. Um, it, she figures that out because, you know, right she's away. a smart lady uh-huh. and she's a great cop. Yep. And then when she's in, interrogating Shep, she's like putting oh. the pressure on him, actually. Yeah, but yeah. she's so sweet. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. She like actually gets kind of this tough cop vibe going. That's right. Yeah, she she's really good at this stuff. She tracks down the car. She shoots Peter Stormare in the leg accurately <laughs> without panicking. Like she's the perfect cop, man. She's a dead eye shot and she's, with that. She's real, and she's eight months pregnant. Yeah, and, I love that. Um, like it, it's it's never a thing where, where you're thinking like Marge is in peril. Oh no, because she's this poor lady who's pregnant. Mm-hmm. She is like. This good at her job, despite carrying this baby around, yeah, and she does not hesitate when she sees Peter Stormare, um, yeah. the guy she's been chasing. I mean, she she goes right after him because she knows she's the sheriff. Yeah, and I I would say though that it does add some kind of layer of suspense, okay, or yeah. tension because right. okay, we've seen how horribly wrong all this stuff is going, yes. and what these people will do. Yeah, that's true. What so they're capable of. What's gonna happen to this baby? Oh, when yeah. Marge shows up, when we know she's going to show up with them eventually, right, something's going right. to happen. What's going to happen 
to this baby. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a little tension. It's yeah. not huge, yeah. which I really appreciate because they don't need that in the movie. It's not about that. I'm glad. Yeah, like you said, it's not huge. It's yeah. not a thing where where, where you're, you're really worried that something truly ugly is going to happen. I mean, it could happen, but it's not a thing where it's it's not this major issue that's hanging over everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Marge is 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 married to uh, Norm, uh, played by John <laughs> Carroll Lynch. Um, mm-hmm. And I love his performance in this movie. I think um, it's good. It's it's kind of underrated too. Um, it, it gets lost in the other great performances, you know, by by kind of the four four or five main people. Yeah. Um, John Carroll Lynch is a guy who paints ducks. Um, and yep. <laughs> <laughs> he's married to Marge Gunderson, and they are truly in love. Yeah, you really feel it. Yeah, you can tell. I mean, they they just adore one another. And that's another thing, too, of like putting a spotlight on two really good people who just have this this, this great affection for each other. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's it's not a thing that, that you're you, you, you want what they have. Yeah, you, you do. Know? Like you see the only times you see them together is uh, in bed at the end of the night going to sleep uh-huh. or like having lunch with each other. Yes. And you just see like that's how I would have lunch with my girlfriend. Of course. You know, that's how that's the kind of pillow talk we would have. Yes. Or, you know. Turn yes. the TV off. Time to go to bed. <laughs> That's right. I'm turning in Norm. Yeah. yeah. And Norm's already asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're so normal. Uh-huh. Which is cool. Yeah. The main like heroine of the story, like we we return to her and her life mm-hmm. for a respite. I mean, she's she's the cop who's on the case, and yet when she is at home, we get to, as the audience, kind of have this relief from this horrible story um, uh-huh. just by her hanging out with her husband. Yeah, and we really don't see her talking about how it's tormenting her or no. this case is anything like that. Like toward at the end, she's in the car with Peter Stormare after he's arrested. And she's kind of just saying, talking to him, kind of talking to the audience, actually, yeah. you know, saying, I just, I just don't understand it. Right. But you don't see it torturing her throughout the whole film. Like you, like you did with Morgan Freeman in seven, you know, <laughs> right. it's not troubling her like that. It's just her job. Yeah, and and yeah, you're right. So so like unlike the kind of world weary, you know, Morgan Freeman type in Seven, like like Marge just goes about her job, and then when she makes the catch, um, she's got Peter Stormare in the in the back seat, and she's just making that speech, like like she's she's reconstructing the case, but also commenting on the situation, like trying to understand why uh, someone what 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 would possess someone just to commit for these a crimes. little bit of money, just for a little bit of money. There's more to life than money. Don't you know that? Yeah. yeah. Don't you know? Oh, mm-hmm. Man, you know, there. yes, of course, Marge, I do know that. <laughs> and I'd feel so horrible if I was Peter Stormar in the back of the car as this this lady who clearly, you know, like uh, got the jump on me mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> and now is lecturing me like a like a school teacher and I'm in fourth grade. Yeah, I'd feel horrible. And I hope he feels horrible too. Maybe he does. I don't know. He's kind of crazy, though, man. Yeah, Gare Grimsrud <laughs> is is a is a wild. It, it, he, he. I mean. It's an important detail that Jerry is put in contact with Gare and Carl Showalter, Steve Buscemi's character. Yeah, they're the two, they're the two villains in the movie. Yes, I guess. they're the ones who kidnap his wife. Yeah, um, they kidnap Jean and uh, <laughs> oh, jeez, Jean. I love that scene when they kidnap her. So it's do so I. Good. Oh man, I mean, she's just so frantic and she's running around. And, I love uh, when Steve Buscemi <laughs> first comes up to the glass pane window and he's like looking in with this black ski mask, <laughs> and she's right there on the couch in front of him, and he's just looking in the window, <laughs> and she's just got this look yeah. like like uh, she's her mouth is agape, like oh my god, Staring she stops her crocheting and just like <laughs> I can't believe what the f- oh, it's so funny. Yeah, it is, it is, and then it turns real. Yeah, you know, because he actually comes. <laughs> 
in and starts, you know, like terrorizing yep. her. Sorry, I, I derailed your you were talking about uh, uh, Peter Stormare's character. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's like okay, so Shep, Shep, Shep put put Jerry in contact with with Carl or with, with Garrett Grimsrud. Yes, like when when Jerry goes and visits Shep in the in the mechanics garage, he works at, at, at the same car lot that Jerry does. Shep right. does, and he says uh, he says you know those guys you put me into contact with and. Shep goes, I put you in touch with Grimsrude, who's his buddy. Okay. Um, can you see, like, Gare Grimsrude and Shep Proudfoot hanging out together? No, They're probably, not really. You can't see that? No. Oh, okay, okay. Can you? I kind of can. Okay. Like, because they're two of the baddest men, you know, in in cinema. They are, but you, know? you don't you don't see that from Shep as much as no? you do from Grare. How do you say his name? Gare. Gare. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you see Shep beat the shit out of Steve Buscemi. Pretty Carl, savagely, yeah. Yeah, but and maybe at that point I can see it hanging out, uh-huh. him hanging out with Peter Stormare. <laughs> but I I never realized until this last viewing that the guy that Shep put him in touch with was Gare. Oh, oh, okay. I always thought he put him in touch with Carl. Oh, all right. The whole time. Okay, see, that's why it's an important... You're right, yeah. that, that's why it's an important deed, because it's like, uh, like, because... I, I I guess w- whether you can, can whether you can like see Gare and Shep hanging out together or where you see them as friends, yeah. But it, it is a, it is a major piece of like the thing kind of comes undone because of Carl, yeah. You know, so and you, you don't Carl's the personable one, so you you would be <laughs> yes. he's the guy who has friends. That's true, you know? yeah, yeah. So that's what I always thought. And at the end of the movie, there's a real quick line before Carl gets an axe in the neck. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> He says, you and your friend Shep or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Shep's friends with Gare. Yes, that's right. Because Gare doesn't even talk. Why would he have friends? I can just see them sitting in that bar. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in that opening scene bar, the one in Fargo, like, like yeah. just being up there. Like, it, 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 think of like organized crime up north. Okay. You know, it's it's dudes like that. It's Shep Proudfoot and Gare Grimsrud, like these, yeah. these silent assassins who... It's very cold out, and they will they will stomp you before they look at you. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just for for me once I realized that was that was the connection, I was like, oh man, those dudes, I'm scared of those mm-hmm. dudes. Yeah, and um, Carl, like you touched on, really is the reason it all goes to shit. Yeah, uh, because he, I mean, he shoots the father-in-law. He shoots I Wade. Mean, yeah. Um, he's out there talking about how he's going crazy up at the lake, you know, <laughs> so that they get a lead on where their location is, like. Albeit, you know, Peter Stormare will already have killed Gene at that point, yes. but because he's crazy too, but nothing's going as planned. I going mean, I crazy out at that lake. Yeah, that's right. I would say it's it's not Carl's fault though that they murder that police officer and the two young people in the car towards the beginning of the film. You're... That's that's Gare's fault. But it's kind of still Carl's fault because he tries to bribe the trooper. It kind of is, but he didn't blow his head off. No, he didn't. Uh, Gare, I don't know. That was Gare Grimsrud's move. They would maybe they'd be busted early if. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I love that scene when he pulls out his wallet with his ID and he uh-huh. has a fifty kind of hanging out of a it. Fifty dollar bill. He's like, yeah, yeah I, I was gonna get the tags, but I, maybe we can just take care of it right now. I wanted to be in full compliance. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's got d- that stupid grin on his face. Yep. Yeah. That Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Toothful of oh, <laughs> I it's know. beautiful. It really and he's is. got that mustache covering oh, it wow. in this movie. He looks great. <laughs> he looks like a real sleaze bag <laughs> with that turtleneck and the mustache. <laughs> yeah, he's really styling. <laughs> he's like a bad Sears catalog he dad. Is. I know. Yeah, he's gross looking, and mm-hmm. and and he's just no, perfect he's kind for... of funny looking. <laughs> 
and we're making a bunch of inside jokes, <laughs> yeah, inside you know, jokes to, to, to the film. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier about going crazy <laughs> out at the lake. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, kind of funny looking. I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> it's it's one of the greatest scenes in the movie. Maybe one of the best written scenes in just like as far as a, as as a a two minute dialogue scene. Yeah, you know, you don't get much better than what's in. The scene where Marge is interviewing the two strippers who mm-hmm. had sex with Gare and, and yeah. Carl. There are sequences throughout this scene where literally the only word that's being said is yeah. Yeah. It's just... It puts you on the floor. It does. Because it's so funny. It's like the word smurf. It's used for every purpose, you know, kind of. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And it, it means a bunch of different things. And you totally get it. You know the cadences uh-huh. once you kind of like, you know, whether you're from Minnesota mm-hmm. or not, it makes sense to you. Yep. And I love it. They say he's kind of funny looking. Well, how? And he's like, just in a general way. <laughs> and then later, the guy who reports him when he's yapping at the bar about being crazy up at the lake. Yeah. He's like, he's kind of funny looking, like talking to another cop. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, funny. What did he look? How? Like, uh, just in a general kind of way. <laughs> like everyone in this region <laughs> says the same thing. You know, <laughs> they, 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 it's they, great. They all have, they have one common <laughs> description about Carl Showalter and that it's that he's just kind of funny he's looking. Funny looking in a general way. More than most people even. More than that. <laughs> That's true. They can't even say, "Oh, he had a mustache." Yeah, and that, like kind of bug eyes. Exactly. They can't even say that. And and the one the 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 other girl like describes Gare Grimsrud as as looking like the Marlboro Man, but yes. maybe that's just a subconscious thing because he smoked a lot of Marlboros. Mm-hmm. She can't even like look. There's no one more blonde and Swedish in this movie than Peter Stormare. <laughs> you, you you just say give a description. You know the six foot eight Swedish man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> who never speaks and, and who only wants who only eats pancakes. Right. And you know and makes love ferociously. By the way, remember the scene where they're in the hotel. <laughs> yeah. God damn it! I hate look looking at Peter Stormare Paul over this woman. Oh, it's gross. It, that is gross. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to see any of those scenes. No. They they only last. 30 seconds total, but whatever. Right, exactly. I, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't need to see Peter Stormare and Steve Buscemi getting laid. And we have to see it like twice with Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I love that when he's out on that date with the escort service That's girl, he's like, really... do you like what you do? <laughs> she like, looks at him like, oh. I know. <laughs> I mean, the escort finds him gross. Yeah. You know? And he even he does a he he makes a Clockwork Orange reference. Oh, d- what does he say? He says he does? Uh, she goes. Uh, so I'm just a, I'm just in and out of town. A little bit of the oh old yeah, yeah. in and out. And he kind of like yep. smirks. And I guess she doesn't get it. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't even think of it. He was doing a Clockwork. <laughs> he was. Yeah. 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 Duh. <laughs> I mean, I even thought that during the movie, but I didn't get it that he was his character was making that reference. Oh, okay, yeah. As yeah. his character. Right. I just right. thought it was the Coens writing that in just now, because maybe they liked the you know, a clockwork orange. It's or both of those things. Yeah, it and is. it's also Carl Showalter being urbane and witty. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's hilarious in a general <laughs> kind of way. Yeah, exactly. More uh, than most people even. we're talking about the the screenwriting here and mm-hmm. um this won a Oscar for screenwriting. Much deserved. Because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I already said it, it it's unpredictable. Right. We've touched on just this amazing dialogue in this movie. The use of all the words that are used in the northern uh-huh. Midwest. Yeah. Phenomenal stuff. And just the way the plot plays out. Mm-hmm. And all these characters. It is some amazing writing. I mean, it so perfectly captures a culture that really hadn't been, at least that I can remember, ever really portrayed. At least not in a real way. Yeah, I way. can't remember it. You know, and I think it keeps that it's really it's a really grounded movie. Yes. Like you could see this happening. Mm-hmm. 
as extreme as things get in the movie, but it feels real. Mm -hmm. Like there's no people punching each other 20,000 times in the face. You know, there's none of that stuff. There's no cops running and jumping off roofs. No, no. It's all real kind of subtle. Yep. Real life stuff. It's it's gritty without being um, like what we know grit to be. Yeah. It's like you said, it's just totally grounded. And the murders that happen. They kind of feel like murders. I mean, yeah. when Gare Grimsrud goes on that one killing spree outside of Brainerd after he shoots the trooper right. and then, you know, tracks down those people, mm-hmm. it's not cinematic. Not really, no. He just walks up to that car and you see that guy running away mm-hmm. and he's so pathetic out in the snow and Grimsrud just guns him down. And then he yep. looks into the car and very casually, you know, aims. Uh, yes. And then boom. Takes care of it. Um,. There's no one-liner. No, you know? <laughs> God. Uh, and I just watched Predator, so I'm 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 fed to the. Oh, oh yeah, you're I, filled up for a while. Exactly. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one's got get to the chopper, man. I mean, that lasts you at least a couple months. It's got get to the chopper, and it's got <laughs> stick around. After a guy is knifed to I the wall. I thought that was Commando. No, oh, it was Predator. I gave him a hand. Is that Commando? <laughs> Something yes. like that. Yes. I can't remember. Or. He's hanging out or something? I can't remember. (laughs) Sorry. I hate it so much. I have to rewatch Commando now. (laughs) Oh, thank God that that there's no one-liners in a Coen Brothers script, at least not when someone dies. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of, like, like, the other motivations that are in the movie. Um, Okay, so so we, we, we talked about... Like how it's kind of Carl's fault that the whole scam comes undone. Uh-huh. It's really, before Carl can get his mitts on things, it's Wade that does it in. That's true, yeah. Because you know? Wade, just like the deal for the parking lot, wants to take over this thing from yes. Jerry. Yes. And there's even a scene when Jerry's already told his father-in-law, hey, you know, Gene got kidnapped. We have to negotiate with these guys. And he's they're at the diner talking. He, Wade, and Stan. Stan. And Jerry goes, it's my deal. Yeah. Talking about his wife being kidnapped. (laughs) This is my deal, Wade. And that's what he's been saying the whole movie about the parking lot thing Uh and uh, whatever. Yeah. This is his deal. You know, he (laughs) set it up. He's got to do it. It's his deal. God, God, this guy's disgusting. Yeah, I know. He's he's rotten. And he's doing it like... He's like white privilege personified in a, in, a, in many ways, you know. Mm-hmm. He's this guy who, who's who's committing a horrific criminal act. Even if his wife gets out of this thing unscathed, um, it's still you know one of the worst things you can do. Yeah, she's gonna be traumatized yes. forever. Yes. And your son's gonna be traumatized, and and you're gonna just have some money. What God? I know. Yeah. What 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 is you know all for a little bit of money? He's also scamming Grimsrud and Showalter, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. because he he's telling them that there's eighty thousand dollars to be gotten. Yeah, um, it turns out there's a million. He he tells Wade that you know that the kidnappers are asking for a million dollars. He tells the kidnappers they're going to split eighty thousand. Yeah, he's scamming everybody, and thinks he's getting away with it. And yep. um and the deal is kind of like going in Jerry's favor. Uh, Gene is still alive. It's going to be time for them to do the drop where where they're going to give the right. kidnappers the money and. Jerry has already told Wade and Stan the kidnappers only deal with me. And Wade just muscles him and says, you know, Jerry, I'm taking over. Right. It's, it's my, my money. money. Right. It's my daughter. Yep. I'm doing it. Yep. Yeah. And then when he goes to the drop point, mm-hmm. it's the top of a parking garage. Yeah. And when Carl sees Wade show up, he's like, well, who the fuck are you? Yes. Where's Jerry? Uh-huh. And, you know, Carl the whole time is just thinking, oh, Jerry's going to show up. Yeah. We're going to get... 
He's going to give me the money. Yep. And that's it. Right. Because he's in on it. It's his idea. Of course. I'm not going to have this random dude show up with a briefcase and demand to see his daughter. Yeah. And he's armed. Yeah. He's not expecting this to happen. Right. So what happens is the father gets shot by Carl. And it's one of my favorite lines in the movie. He gets shot and he flies back in slow motion and goes, oh, jeez, in (laughs) slow-mo. I love it. You blink and you miss it, but it's like one of the best lines in here. I love it. As a wound like a slo- forms yeah, on a his, slow-mo. Yeah. He's yeah. getting blood is like circling in his shirt now uh-huh. and he yells OGs oh, in slow-mo. It's great. Um uh, <laughs> and then Carl uh, doesn't realize, you know, Wade has a gun. Mm-hmm. So Wade pulls it out and shoots at Carl and hits him like grazes his face. Yes. And it, like, half goes through his, like, chin and cheek. Right. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, the most it's violent, bad. It's, it's violent It looks like he got hit by a sword or something. I know. Yeah. yeah. Like, like somebody tried to tried to cut his head off but just barely missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's bad. It is. So then he blows away Wade. Yep. And, yeah, now the plan's even more fucked up That's than right. before. And now Carl has all of the money. He has all the money. He thinks he has all 80000 Yeah. And he leaves the parking garage in a hurry as Jerry comes into the parking garage and then jerry sees what's happened he's like oh you know oh geez probably what he says <laughs> he does and, uh, <laughs> yes yeah and then he leaves and then the parking attendant is dead mm-hmm. uh carl's gone with the million yeah uh so yeah it's not going according to plan it's not not at all and uh and that's when you know carl turns into jerry yeah he decides he's gonna scam gare grimsrud out of you know out of the rest of the million yeah um, he comes back to the to their hideout at the lake. Mm-hmm. Jean is dead. Um, apparently, Carl killed her while, or, or Gare killed her while Carl was away. Mm-hmm. And uh, Showalter tries to give forty grand mm-hmm. to uh, to to Gare Grimsby. Right, because they had prior decided we're taking all eighty. Yeah, and he they called Jerry, told him we're taking the eighty. Screw you. Things are bad now. We're yes. taking 80. Yes. So he shows up with the 80 and it's like, all right, we each give 40. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then this is when he says, I will, and I'm going to get the car. <laughs> the Tan I'm, Sierra. I'm taking the Sierra. <laughs> yeah. And then Peter Stormare is like, no. <laughs> this is the most adamant he's been. Like, in anything in the movie, the thing that gets him riled up is Steve Buscemi is going to take the car. It's, <laughs> dude, it, it is a brand new burnt umber Sierra. After it is. All. I yeah, mean, you know, okay. it's it's a pretty nice car. I like it. I mean, good lord, I, I it's got that clear coat. I yeah, think. it does oh. have clear coat. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, or true coat. True coat. Excuse yeah, that comes yeah. from the factory. That yeah, way. I mean, you, you know, they're gonna knock a hundred dollars off that true coat. <laughs> all these inside jokes and references gotta stop. <laughs> yes, We're losing I, yeah, everybody. Exactly. Unless you've seen this movie a yeah. hundred times, you're, you're either laughing get, yeah. or you're just saying these guys are idiots. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so the uh, <laughs> and. But here's I'm glad you brought up the deal, okay, with 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 the Sierra because Gare Grimsrud proposes something that I still have trouble logically following. Okay, he says they're gonna split the car. Well, no, he says you pay me for your half of the car, yeah, and then you can take the car. So they're as if they both own it right now, uh-huh. and one's got to buy out the other guy. Okay, yeah, one of us pays the other for half. Is yeah. what he says. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, though, we're going to split it. He says, one of us pays the other for half. Uh-huh. What's he saying there exactly? I mean, like, so so let's let's say the Sierra costs 20 grand. I mean, is he saying Steve Buscemi give, or Carl needs to give me $10,000? Is he going to give 10000 to... Yeah. 
I think that's he... what he's saying. All right. You give me ten thousand dollars, and then you know you can go with the car. Oh, uh, okay. I'm pretty sure that's what he's saying. Uh, right. Did you okay. think something otherwise? I, I, maybe it's because of of the way he delivered the sentence. One of yeah. us pays the other for half. I, I just never got it. And maybe I'm. Boy, I, I hope I don't look like too big of an idiot. No, you're right good. Now. Okay, good. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> you're miss you're you're hitting all the main themes of the movie. Okay, so like you're too yeah. busy thinking about this great movie yes. to worry about <laughs> who's gonna pay who for the car. Right. This financial minutiae. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't me. matter. <laughs> so yeah, Steve Buscemi says, I got shot in the fucking face. <laughs> I'm dealing with everything. You've been sitting here doing nothing. I'm taking the car. <laughs> so he walks out the door and um out behind him comes Peter Stormare in his pajamas yep. with a fire axe. Um, <laughs> Steve Buscemi turns around, and as soon as that axe hits his neck, it goes to black, and you want to vomit because yep. someone just got hit with an axe. You didn't see it happen, <laughs> but it happened. And around this time, Marge is coming back from the from the Twin Cities, and she uh, she's already investigated Jerry Lundegaard, and she's looking around like at White Bear Lake because of some tips that had come in. She's looking for the Tan Sierra, and mm-hmm. uh, and then she finds you know Gare Grimsrud putting Carl Showalter through the wood chip, or the yep. most famous scene in the movie. Um, now it's, yep. it's got it's got a reputation for being you know excessively gory or whatever. It, it's just like Scarface. You don't really see a lot. You, you see blood flying around, yeah. and you see um, a shoe, a shoed foot, a shod foot. Mm-hmm. You know, like being pushed in. Exactly. And and that's kind of like in your mind, it's so much worse because you know that like you, we just saw Steve Buscemi. You know. Well, yeah, you can kind of see a couple body parts on the ground yeah. waiting to go in. Right. The main thing is the when it's revealed, there's you know. A twenty foot radius of where this blood has been sprayed all yeah, over the snow. It's, it's just everywhere. so it's just right. You ever see a bright color on snow uh-huh. that stands out and pops? Yeah, man. it does. So that image is shocking because the movie hasn't done anything like that yet. You're right. It's done some violent things, yeah. but nothing like that. This, this, <laughs> a lot of movies don't do things like that. No, they don't. This, this is an extreme act of violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, seeing that initial shot is just mind-blowing. Right. It's like, wow, I can't believe he's doing this. <laughs> he hit him with an axe. We knew he was crazy. Maybe he'd do something like that. No, he cut him up, and he's feeding him into a wood chipper. I mean, like, like th- th- think of the type of person who can cut up a human body. Ugh. Who's able to do it. You know, who's capable Ugh. of something. I mean, I, I like, like it's just, they're not even really human anymore. Right. That's messed up. Yeah. The movie starts with it saying this is based on a true story. Yeah. And that's been contested and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, even the cones have come out and say we just put that on there because yeah. we wanted to do a true story movie. Yeah, even though they wrote made up the whole thing, <laughs> but uh, which is unprecedented. It's pretty cool though, isn't uh, it? I don't think anyone had ever done that before. Had said this is based on a true story, and it was totally a lie. Yep, I I think that's so cool. And the, the only thing that is true is that I think there was a, a murder in Connecticut. A husband had murdered his wife in put her in a wood chipper oh okay so that's that's the true thing in this movie well that 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 is that is believable that mm-hmm. there probably have been many wood chipper deaths Ugh. you know like in maybe not murders i maybe mean people not. get law yeah. oh, i don't even want to think about it me too people right. are getting chipped and it's not good <laughs> people are jamming wood chippers oh. all over this great nation of ours unfortunately yeah jeez. oh geez <laughs> yeah so um she she tells peter stormare to freeze yep. he runs off she fires, misses, and fires again, hits him in the leg. Yeah. Super cop Marge right here. Yeah. 
I love Marge. She's my favorite character in this movie. I know. She's one of the greatest strong female characters in movies. I agree. It's amazing. Yeah. And then that's when she arrests them. And it's basically the movie's kind of over now, you know. And right. they, they go and arrest Jerry. Um, wow. Well, so glad they arrest him in that sleazy motel he's in. He's trying to escape. The <laughs> cops bust down the door, and he's on the bed screaming, no, no, oh. no. Like, dude, stop it. He's so pathetic. Stop it. I know. Yeah. And it looks like he's just out of the shower. Like, he's got, like, his 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 pants, you know. Yeah, he's uh, in his undies and, yeah, and, a, yeah. and a wife beater shirt. Right. And- and his hair's kind of like combed, yeah. combed fresh, wet, and and he's just he's just yelling and screaming and and like really making a big scene. Like, like he's a, acting like a baby. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he'd done all of this stuff and gotten away with it, he'd still be the worst person you know you could think of. Yeah. But then to see him come apart like this, and not from guilt or from like having any kind of moment of clarity, just because he's such a little shit, just because he got caught. Yes. No remorse. No. No guilt. No. Think of his son, man. Like, he he probably doesn't even care. He's hiding out somewhere. Yeah. He left his son at the house, man. It's This guy is I know. bad. You're right. He's terrible. Yeah, Scotty's all alone, and yep. his grandpa's dead. I mean, what? I don't know grandpa's what's going to Grandpa's dead. His know. mom is dead. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Jerry. Yeah. Oh, fuck Jerry, man. Jerry is bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing we skipped over, kind of, that I wanted to talk about is... When Steve Buscemi first realizes how much money he has, mm-hmm. this is after he escapes with the million. Yeah. He thinks he has 80. So he pulls over and he opens the case and looks in and there's little stacks of 10K each. Yeah. All these money wads are $10,000 and there's a suitcase filled with them. Yep. And he pulls out four little bundles of cash and he's holding them up in his hands puts them down, grabs four more little tiny bundles out of this thing, <laughs> and it's just not even a dent uh-huh. on the amount of cash in this thing. Right. It is such a great shot in the film to uh-huh. show, like, wow, this is the kind of money they're dealing with, actually. Yeah. And um, Jerry's greed for this money really stands out here because you see how high he's shooting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in this situation. It's yeah. like, wow, why? that's a lot of dough. And then Steve Buscemi proceeds to hide the rest of the money. Uh-huh. You know, the 920000 he's sure. got left. Right. <laughs> uh, which I love because he buries it in the snow by a fence. And there's no landmarks as far as the eye can yeah, see. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And that's probably what it looks like up there in, you know, northwest Minnesota. It's just it's just Siberia, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And then he sticks the little snow scraper, the red you know, yep. window scraper yep. into the <laughs> Which will probably get covered up in a night, you know. Hopefully, oh, yeah. he, hopefully <laughs> he knows what mile marker he's at. Yeah, because that's you're not gonna find that. No, dude. Uh, but yeah, I love I love that shot in this movie because it really tells you a lot. And it also, I guess, really kind of because it's all in cash and it's in a suitcase. It it again speaks to to the short sightedness of Jerry and his plan. Yeah. I mean, even if this thing goes off the way he planned it, and he he gets the million, and Gene is okay, how is he gonna rinse that money? You know. I don't know, man. He can't just show up at GMAC with, with a with a, a, you know. No, that's it's got to get funneled in yeah, to, yeah. to the car dealership somehow. Exactly. If, if that's what he's trying to do, pay back GMAC. Right. Because the money's got to come that way. Right. If he's doing it personally, what is he going? He's going to buy a car wash. He's going to Walter White this shit. He's What's pro- he going mean, to do? Yeah, I guess so. He's going to have to. Yeah, he's going to have to come up with a whole other <laughs> scam. Yeah, it, you know, his wife's not going to help him. I'll tell you that. Much. No, she's not. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. Great, great movie. Man. And by the way, 
the best picture winner this year was The English Patient. And I want to say that the Oscars can suck my balls with that decision. <laughs> this movie is so good. I think it's better than The English Patient, man. Whew. The English Patient. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say about The English Patient. Okay. Other than that it exists. And I have seen it. And I could say I fell asleep during it. Yeah. And it, forgot about it. It's literally 1% as good as Fargo. Yep. And I won't go so far as to say it's a bad movie, but it's I have never heard anyone, whether it's a, a <laughs> layman or, a, or or the most esteemed critic in the world, talk about like how their they, their lives were affected by the English right, patient. Right. I don't know what the Academy. I mean, they, they they thought enough of 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 the film of Fargo to like give it all these nominations. I mean, they had to know what the best picture of 1996 was. They had to. Um, the other nominees were Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, and Shine that year. Secrets and Lies and Shine are both better than, <laughs> exactly. than, than The English Patient. Far better. Secrets mm-hmm. and Lies is many people's favorite Mike Lee film. I would rather watch Jerry Maguire than The English Patient. As would I. Yes. And I'd rather watch Fargo than any of these movies. <laughs> so, yes, so there I, you I go. I agree as well. <laughs> um, anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, we have to touch on what is one of the most uncomfortable scenes in movie history. I oh, think. Mike, Mike Yanagita. Okay, yeah, Mike Yanagita is a an old boyfriend of Marge Gunderson. Is it is it spelled out that he is a boyfriend of the past, or is it just kind of come off that way? I well, you know, I I said boyfriend. I think maybe it's like she, maybe there was some like kind of there was and some kind of interest going on. She's kind of fixing herself up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know, um, she 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 wants to look good for Mike. And, and even if there wasn't anything romantic in her head, yeah, you still want to look good, like you're meeting an old friend or something. Yeah. You still want to, you don't want to look like you're trash, you know. <laughs> sure, you want right. to look presentable. Yeah, of course. Like you, you're you, going on an interview, even. Yeah, you um, want to make a good impression. Yeah. So either way, she's wanting to, I guess, look good to him. Yeah, and uh, he meets her at the Radisson, and you know they're, they're supposed to just be there catching up, and Mike, not only like makes a very clumsy move on her. Oh God. It's, I mean. When, when he, he gets up in the middle of speaking and he says, you mind if I just come over to your side? And he keeps talking and she... Yeah, he sits right next to her. He moves right from across, yeah. sits, moves to next to her and puts his arm kind of over her a little bit. And keeps talking? And before he can even sit down all the way, she's like, actually, I prefer if you sat over there. It's uh, she, she, she's firm in what she's... Just, just mm-hmm. like in her police work, she doesn't suffer fools well. Yeah. Um, and she, she puts him in his place right there and mm-hmm. he... He feels really stupid, and he feels really hurt and rejected, and he sits back down, and she tries to kind of salve the situation, you right. know, by like saying, oh, just, you know, so I don't have to strain my neck. Yeah. Um, you know, she's trying to let him down easy. And and you can tell from that point on what Francis McDormand is doing. Is, yes. You know, you can tell Marge is now a lot more uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. You can tell. Oh, yeah, because, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's... He's he's ruined whatever like you know kind of like catch up session, uh-huh. and then have. he and then he's apologizing. He's like, I, I didn't mean that to come off that way. Uh-huh. You know, my wife was sick and she died. Yeah, mm-hmm. she had leukemia. Yeah, she leukemia. fought real hard, Margie. Oh yeah. Um, and Marge knew this woman. So yes. Now she thinks that Linda this Cooksey. woman has died. Yeah, Linda yeah. Cooksey has died. <laughs> um, and it turns out later she's talking to her friend from the hotel room, I guess. Yeah. On the phone, and she's like, No, that didn't happen. Mike's been, you know, he's had psychological problems and 
He's been living at his parents and stuff. No, Linda's fine. Call her up. Ugh. Yeah, that's something else. I mean, he he's he's obviously a very troubled man. Uh-huh. And and Marge, I, I would think she feels guilty about like you know maybe making his life harder, mm-hmm. but by rejecting him again. Um, that that's probably how she would maybe, take yeah. it. You know, in that situation, because mm-hmm. she, she she's just like she doesn't like freak out when her friend tells her this this. You know, this bombshell. She just kind of goes, well, that's a surprise. I feel like she was kind of pissed about it, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because she, this guy just came and lied to her and was trying to get an angle on her. Right. You know? Right. Um, so I think it really pissed her off. Yeah. I was talking about it with my girlfriend. <clears throat> we were like, well, what? what's the scene for? Like, why is this even here? Because it really doesn't blatantly do anything for the plot. No, it doesn't. But she, like, actually Googled stuff on it. I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> cool, <laughs> man. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so then we talked about... So I can't take credit for this, but uh-huh. it kind of shows her like naivete yeah. uh, to go oh, meet with right. this guy. Okay. And then, okay, yeah, maybe I'm too trusting of people okay. or something like that. And the next day she actually goes back and keeps, she goes to interrogate Jerry again yeah. about these car, a missing car. Right. Maybe she wouldn't have gone and done that if she hadn't kind of started questioning like how nice she is to people. I was all ready yeah. to make this whole speech about like how that's a great hallmark of great filmmakers is they put in scenes that don't have anything to do with the like further okay. plot. Okay. But you know what, dude? I think that you've cracked it, or you know, your girlfriend's cracked it. They, like Google did. Yes, Google someone did. else on the internet, <laughs> yes. not dudes, man. <laughs> that yeah, that that's a great like kind of subtle way of of making Marge an even better police officer. Great screenwriters. Yeah. put scenes like that. Yeah, in, Dave. that's so that's that's go. awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then he flees because he's nervous, and then um. Now the chase is really on. So. Yeah. Uh huh. Thanks, Mike. He's fleeing the interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that because he's like, "I'll just do an inventory count now," and he leaves and storms out. And yeah. What like, the Christ? Yeah. What the Christ? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You darn toot. Yes. God. <laughs> such an ass and and you know actually we, we forgot to mention that when we're first introduced to jerry lundegaard and his way of doing business we we mentioned true coat already mm-hmm. the, the yeah. true coat reference is because of the one of the first scenes in the movie where jerry is scamming this poor guy yep and his wife um they they, they bought a car and you know it turns out like oh you you know they, they t- told him to come down and get delivery on it it's ready uh-huh. to go yep and now they're here we go with the add-ons yep it sucks you told me 17 <laughs> five I'm paying nineteen right. five for this vehicle. The true coat comes uh-huh. from the factory, so I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck you, Jerry. And he says, "Let me talk to my manager." And he goes into the break room. His manager's there watching a game. You know, He's watching the Gophers. Yep. And he goes, "You got Gophers tickets?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it cuts back to him walking in and saying, "I've never seen this before. This never happened before. They'll let us knock off a hundred dollars." Ah, and he gets the sale. He does, even though the guy's still pissed. He's like, "Just give me my damn checkbook so yep. we can get out of here." And it drives the guy to say fucking. Yeah. That's Probably for the first time in right, his life. Yeah. You know, he calls him a <laughs> fucking liar. You know? And he like kind of stumbles on the word. He does. Like he has never said the F word before. Right. And his wife yeah. just tells him, oh God, you know, like, yeah. like she's really <laughs> amazed at this, at this, you know, show of emotion. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. 
Oh, good movie. Yeah, what a great film. A- anything else you want to touch on? I- I'm good here. Um, um no, I-, I I think we we've gotten everything. I- I've had always... points I wanted to hit. So. Yeah, I'd always wanted to talk about the the Mike Yanagita scene. Um, and 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 we 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 mentioned also the guy in the driveway who was who was tending bar and, uh-huh. and you know it, it that's that's a great scene you know for anyone who if if you if you see the movie that that scene will also kind of creep up on you it comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and it's just this excellent bit of dialogue between an unnamed state trooper and a guy who ran into Carl Showalter at some point yep yeah yeah great movie. so would you recommend it yes I sure would okay um, I'd recommend this to everyone um, this. Like you have to see this movie over and over again to really appreciate it, and and as well you have to do that kind of with all almost all the Coen Brothers films, mm-hmm. um, especially this one, especially Big Lebowski. Um, yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. like th- th- these are like it's the Coen universe almost. I mean, it's it's a thing unto yeah. itself. Like the more I watched No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. the more I came to appreciate it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean that's just how. Some filmmakers are that way. That's right. You've got to watch them more than once. They can be good and yeah. entertaining the first time, but the more you watch it, the more you appreciate it. And yes. that's great filmmaking, you know? Right. And um, and I'd also say that the, the other the other movie they made that's set in Minnesota, A Serious Man, everyone needs to check that out. I'd recommend the movie, too, just for all the reasons we said here. So yeah. I won't ramble on about it anymore. Yeah. Sure. So go watch Fargo, everybody. Yeah. And that about wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe in iTunes, rate it, review it, and share it with all your friends. Get all the dudes listening and joining the dude army, please. Yes. We're going to take Fargo once we can get enough troops, okay? <laughs> We're going right. to take down Marge and everybody. <laughs> uh, so do that. Or you can rate us and review us anywhere else. There's podcasts. Just look for a podcast and, and rate that. You can find As us. long as it's ours. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Or you can go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need there. Yes, and uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we have a you know we have a lot of activity going on there mm-hmm. with like supplemental material and just talking to listeners here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an email address, dudesonmovies at gmail.com. And Instagram, remember that? Oh, that's right. I forgot about Instagram. I always forget Instagram. Yeah, uh, we don't use that or Twitter too much. So right. if you want to, you can do that. Facebook's perfect. So yeah. whatever. <laughs> as long as you're listening, we love yeah, you. That's, that's what we care about. Yeah, so stay tuned next week. We're finally heading out west dave doing 1956's the searchers directed by john ford starring john wayne and natalie wood Uh uh-huh so until next week i'm your dude scott i'm your dude dave and we'll see you next time 